This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Appetite of Tyranny by G. K. Chesterton Chapter 7 Letters to an Old Garibaldian Letter 2 My dear, the facts before all Europeans today are so fundamental that I still find it easier to talk about them to you as to an old friend, rather than to put it in the shape of a pamphlet. In my last letter I pointed out two facts which are pivots. The first is that to any really cultured person Prussia is second-rate. The second is that to almost any Prussian Prussia is really first-rate and is prepared quite literally to police the rest of the world. For the first matter, the comparative inferiority of German culture cannot be doubted by people like you. One of the German papers pathetically said that, although the mangling of Malines and Reims was very sad, it was a comfort to think that yet nobler works of art would spring up whenever the German culture had passed in triumph. From the point of view of humor, it is really rather sad that they never will. The German Emperor's idea of a Gothic cathedral is as provocative to the fancy as Mr. Todger's idea of a wooden leg, but I think it perfectly probable that they really intended to set up such beautiful buildings as they could. Having been blasphemous enough to ruin such things, they might well be blasphemous enough to replace them. Even if the Prussian attempt on Paris had not wholly collapsed as it has, I doubt whether the Prussians would have destroyed everything. I doubt whether they would even have destroyed the Venus de Milo. More probably they would have put a pair of arms on it, designed by some rising German artist, the Emperor or somebody, and the two arms thus added would look at once like the arms of a woman at a wash-tub. The destroyers of the Tower of Reims are quite capable of destroying the Tower of Giotto, but they are equally capable of the greater crime of completing it. And if they put on a spire, what a spire it would be! What an extinguisher for that clear and almost transparent Christian candle! Have you read some of the German explanations of Hamlet? Did I tell you that Leonardo's hair must have been German hair because so many of his contemporaries said it was beautiful? This is what I call being second-rate. All the German excitement about the colonies of England is only a half-understanding of what was once heroic and is now largely caddish. The German Emperor's naval vision is a bad copy of Nelson, as certainly as Frederick the Great's verses were a bad copy of Voltaire. But the second point was even more important, that weak as the thing is mentally, it is strong materially, and will impose itself materially if we permit it. The Prussians have failed in everything else, but they have not failed in getting their subject thousands to do as they are told. They cannot put up black and white towers in Florence, but they can really put up black and white posts in Alsace. They have failed in diplomacy. I suppose it might be called a failure in diplomacy, 
to come into the fight with two enemies extra and one ally the less. If the Germans, instead of sending spies to study the Belgian soil, had sent spies to consider the Belgian soul, they would have been saved hard work for a week or two. They have failed in controversy. I suppose it might be called a failure in controversy to say that England may be keeping her word for some wicked purpose, while Germany may be breaking her word for some noble purpose. And that is practically all that the Germans can manage to say. They say that we are an insatiable, unscrupulous, piratical power, and this wild spirit whirled us into the mad course of respecting a treaty we had signed. They can find in us no treason except that we keep our treaties. Failing to do this, I call failing in controversy. They have failed in popular persuasion. They have had a very good opportunity. The British Empire does contain many people who have been badly treated in various ways. The Irish, the Boers, nay, the Americans themselves, whose national existence began with being badly treated. With these the Prussians have done comparatively little, and with Europeans of your sort nothing. They have never once really sympathized with the feeling of a Switzer for Switzerland, the feeling of a Norwegian for Norway, the feeling of a Tuscan for Tuscany. Even when nations are neutral, Prussia can hardly bear them to be patriotic. Even when they are courting everyone else, they can praise no one but themselves. They fail in diplomacy, they fail in debate, they fail even in demagoguery. But there is one thing that they really do not fail in. They do not fail in finding people stupid enough to carry them out. Now it is this question I would ask you to consider. You, as a good middle type of the Latins, a liberal but a Catholic, an artist but a soldier, the danger to the whole civilization of which Rome was the fountain lies in this, that the more this strange Prus people fail in all the other things, the more they will fall back on this mere fact of a brutal obedience. They will give orders, they have nothing else to give. I say that this is the question for you. I do not say, I do not dream of saying, that the answer is for me. It is for you to weigh the chance that their very failures in the arts of peace will drive them back upon the arts of war. They could not, and they did not, dupe your people in diplomacy. They did the most undiplomatic thing that can be done. They concealed the breach of partnership without even concealing the concealment. They instigated the intrigue in Austria in such a way that Italy could honestly claim all the freedom of past ignorance, combined with all the disillusionment of present knowledge. So they ran the Triple Alliance that they had to admit your grievance at the very moment when they claimed your aid. The English are stupider and less sensitive than you are, but even the English found the German Chancellor's diplomacy not insinuating but simply insulting. I swear I would be a better diplomatist myself. In the same way there is no danger of people like you being corrupted in controversy. There is no fear that the professors who pullulate all over the Baltic plain will overcome the Latins in logic. 
some of them even claim to be super-logical, and to say they are too big for syllogisms, generally having found even one syllogism too big for them. If they complain either of your abstention from their squaws, or your adhesion to any other, you have an unanswerable answer. You will say, as you did say, that you do not break the Triple Alliance, even for the sake of peace. It was they who broke it, for the sake of war. You obviously had as much right to be consulted about Serbia as Austria had, and on the mere chessboard of argument it is made in one move. Nor are they in the least fitted to make an appeal to the popular sentiment of your people. The English, I dare say, and the French, have talked an amazing amount of nonsense about you, but they understand a little better. They do not write exactly like this, which is from the most public and accepted Prussian political philosopher, Chamberlain. Who can live in Italy today and mix with its amiable and highly gifted inhabitants without feeling with pain that here a great nation is lost, irredeemably lost, because it lacks the inner driving power, etc., which has brought Van Cluck so triumphantly through Paris? Even a half-educated Englishman, who has heard of no Italian poet except Dante, knows that he was something more than amiable. Even a positively illiterate Frenchman, who has heard of no Italian warrior except Napoleon, knows that it was not in inner driving force that the artilleryman in question was deficient. Who can live in Italy today? Evidently the Prussian philosopher can't. His impressions are taken from Italian operas, not from Italian streets, certainly not from Italian fields. As a matter of fact, such images of Italy as burn in the memories of most open-minded northerners who have been there are exactly the other kind. I for one should be inclined to say, who can live in Italy today without feeling that a woman feeding children or a man chopping wood may almost touch him with fear, with the fullness of their humanity? so that he can almost smell blood as one smells burning. Italians often look lazy, that is, they look as if they would not move, but not as if they could not move, as many Germans do. But even though this formula fitted the Italians, it seemed scarcely calculated to please them. For the Prussians then, with the failure of their diplomacy, the failure of their philosophy, we may also place the failure of their appeals to a foreign people. The Prussian writer may continue his attempts to soothe and charm you by telling you that you are irredeemably lost, and that all great Italians must have been something else. But the method seems to me ill-adapted to popular propaganda, and I cannot but say that on this third point of persuasion the German attempt is not striking. Now all this is important for this reason. If you consider it carefully, you will see why Europe must, at whatever cost, break Germany in battle, and put an end to her military and material power to do things. If we all have to fight for it, if we all have to die for it, it must be done. If we find allies in the dwarfs of Greenland, or in the giants of Patagonia, it must be done. And the reason is that unless it is literally and materially done, other things will be literally and materially done, and horrify the heavens.
they will be silly things they will be benighted and limited and laughable things but they will be accomplished things nothing could be more ridiculous if that is all than the moral position of the prussian in poland where a magnificent officer making a vast parade of ruling tries to cheat poor peasants out of their fields and gets cheated and then takes refuge in beating little boys for saying their prayers in their native tongue all who remember anything of dignity of irony in short of rome and reason can see why an officer need not should not had better not and generally does not beat little boys but an officer can beat little boys and a prussian officer will go on doing it until you take away the stick nothing could be more comic if that is all than the position of prussians in alsace which they declare to be purely german and admit to be furiously french so that they have to terrorize it by sabering anybody including cripples again any of us can see why an officer need not should not had better not and generally does not saber a cripple but an officer can saber a cripple and a prussian officer will go on doing it until you take away the saber it is this insane and rigid realism that makes their case peculiar like that of a chinaman copying something or a half-witted servant taking a message if they had the power to put black and white posts round the grave of Virgil, or dig up Dante to see if he had yellow hair, the mere doing of it, which for some of us would be the most unlikely, would for them be the least unlikely thing. They do not hear the laughter of the ages. If they had the power to treat the English or Italian premier quite literally as a traitor and shoot him against a wall, they are quite capable of turning such hysterical rhetoric into reality and scattering his brains before they had collected their own they do not feel atmospheres they are all a little deaf as they are all a little short-sighted they are annoyed when their enemies after such experiences as those of belgium accuse them of breaking their promises and in one sense they are right for there are some sorts of promises they probably would keep if they have promised to respect a free country or an old friend to observe a sworn partnership or to spare a harmless population they will find such restrictions chilling and irksome they will ask some professor on what principle they are discarding it but if they have promised to shoot the cross off a church spire or empty the ink-pot into somebody's beer or bring home somebody's ears in their pocket for the pleasure of their families i think in these cases they would feel a sort of shadow of what civilized men feel in the fulfillment of a promise as distinct from the making of it and in consideration of such cases i cannot go the whole length of those severe critics who say that a prussian will never keep his promise unfortunately it is precisely this sort of actuality and fulfillment that makes it urgent that europe should put forth her whole energy to drag down these antique demoniacs these idiots filled with force as by fiends they will do things as a maniac will until he cannot do them to me it seemed that some things 
could not be said and done. I thought a man would have been ashamed to bribe a new enemy like England, to betray an old enemy like France. I thought a man would have been ashamed to punish the pure self-defense of folk so offenseless as the Belgians. These hopes must go from us, my friend. There is only one thing of which the Prussian would be ashamed, and of that we have sworn to God he shall taste before the end. End of chapter 7 Letter 2